DEI test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. All right. Well, welcome back to the the eye test. I'm Eric. Brady's here with me as usual. We don't have a guest this week, so we're just going to kick around a few things that we've been talking about. Um, I we were we were just talking about it before we started recording um, this whole I and and I've been I've been thinking about it and we've been talking about it a little bit for a while. I've been wondering. And it, and it came up again. Let me preface by saying it came up again with the with the Casey Casey Thomas transfer, um, and it really made me think about it again. This idea that for most college teams, unless you are the top two or three, for most college teams, the difference between your starter and your second string is getting wider because of the transfer portal, because those number twos those number two quarterbacks, those number two or three running backs, those, you know, number two defensive linemen are leaving because they can go somewhere else and play and start. And I'm wondering if that's going to be, be a side, a side symptom of, of the, an unintended consequence of the transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about, especially now that there's been a couple of cycles to see it through. And obviously there are, I mean, everything, it's not monolithic, you know, it obviously right. it varies by, by kid. Um, you're seeing some people like, like Casey Thompson, last year's starter transferred. Of course, this is two starters in a row that right. of starting quarterbacks at Nebraska who decided to transfer and not return for the following season at Nebraska, obviously extenuating circumstances within the program happening right. there. But you're also seeing there are programs like Florida programs, like Wisconsin programs, like Mississippi that brought in multiple transfers with, with experience, even Nebraska this last year. And in the spring camp had six quarterbacks that had played major division one snaps. I mean, that's significant, right? You see the the Bo Nixes of the world who, for whatever reason, I would I would almost equate to an Adrian Martinez, a guy who's got great athleticism and tangibles, can work, doesn't work out where he's at, or there it doesn't hit that that uh, potential right. that they see transfers and Bo Nix end up having a great season at Oregon. You've got Michael Penix had a great season at Washington. You're just seeing it's it's a little bit different because the traditional, you know, sit and learn kind of style of, of things just doesn't go over as well anymore. I don't think there's a, I don't know, there's a, I don't want to call it a misconception because I think there are instances you could point to and say this, you know, this kid wants to play. He transferred because he wants to play. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't as readily available of an option to just transfer. Because right. Well, you, you knew going in into college that, Especially, you know, back in the day with Nebraska, you knew that if, if you saw the field by your junior year, you were on track. Yeah. If you saw your sophomore year, you were phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Right. And offensive linemen, you just didn't see the field unless it was a 60 to 7 blowout. You just didn't see the field a whole lot. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a different world, but it, it just got me thinking that. That I think, 
I don't know. I and maybe it's just you know the the fishbowl that we're looking at that I I see you know especially at the quarterback position everybody was like super excited this year that not not maybe that so much that there was going to be a quarterback battle but that there was all of a sudden quarterback depth. Yeah, right? and you look at the running back room and you went ah, a couple guys leave still by far the deepest deepest room on the team yeah. even with a couple guys leaving. Um, but it just got me, it, and maybe, like I said, maybe it's just that, that it's that I look at that quarterback room that's got me thinking this a lot that, and, and as I look around at other schools, the way people move around that we might just have to get used to the idea that there aren't going to be too many places with a really quality number two that you can count on. Yeah. Well, and it's especially difficult because Nebraska saw the importance of, of, depth at uh-huh. the quarterback position last year. Casey goes down and Chubba performs well in practice. We've seen Chubba perform well in practice. Right. And you like, I'm but for I'm, some reason it just doesn't it, translate to the field. Yeah. But then you had other people who clearly weren't scoring as you know, scoring as well in practice. Yeah. You know, they, um, when they graded, graded things out. So they were the number three or number two come into a game like Smothers and just gamed it. Yeah, and and did well in in the heat of battle, and you know that that kind of dovetails me into something else that uh, I think we talk about quite often is that idea of and I, and I think Matt does this, which is which is why he doesn't worry about the stars on a recruiting thing, about recruiting the right mentality over the right athleticism. Yeah. Right. I mean, Grant, he wants speed. He wants guys that, but he also, I, I get the feeling that he's, he's recruiting a mentality type, like a gamer, you yeah. know? And that's why, I, you know, um, you know, DB says it all the time when, when, when we were talking about Casey was that, you know, Casey may not have like all the skills that Sims has physically, but it, as DB put it, was like it made you uncomfortable that he wasn't on the field, right? Yeah. Because I, I think Casey did a good job of demonstrating that he was a pretty good starter. He could run the team. He may not be the most physically talented quarterback out there, but he certainly was. I would have put him in one of the top quarterbacks mentally. Yeah, because he he had that. I mean, his dad was a great a great college quarterback. Right. And obviously that that's transferred on to Casey. He's learned a lot he grew from up that. With it. He grew up with it. He's got years of, of experience at Texas. I mean, he had that. He's clearly knowledgeable. Shoot, he just graduated with his master's degree right. last December. So he he's knowledgeable and, and his teammates complimented him on being one of the first ones in, last ones out of the room, learning throughout all the spring. Clearly knowledgeable of what he's doing. But at the same time, I th- and there's something to be said for that. There's no replicating that right. sort of, of of knowledge of of commanding a room, especially considering what he did last year in one like the first year of a system right. under Mark Whipple. But you, Matt Rule and his and even Marcus Satterfield, their work system together. PJ Brewer or sorry, PJ Walker, Charlie Brewer tried to combine them. That would have been a heck of a quarterback. They even. <laughs> Casey Casey asked about them. He contacted them right after Matt Rule got introduced, right. and like 
asked them, what's it going to be like? He tried being that cerebral guy that wanted to know everything about it, asked around. And then they really like a more mobile, a more threatening runner. And looking back last year, there there's one true scramble. I remember Casey doing where I was like, oh, okay. And then there was the other one in Ireland where he scrolls out to the right, right. or Put, to his plants left, his foot in plants the ground. his foot and, yeah. and heaves it. Like that sort of athleticism and, and gamesmanship is kind of tough to that's you you open up potential so much more for danger to be able to do that and like like Matt had said after the spring game you know Jeff Sims is not a runner he's a thrower who runs a 44440 right like there's a difference in that and not to take anything away from Casey or even take anything away from Jeff and how he manages a game and how he you know mentally takes mm-hmm. it all in and how cerebral he can be in studying the game and being that commander and leader of a team because he does seem like he's got some leadership mentalities now and he's taking some ownership of the team i'm sure well, he that he takes now. more of a over yeah. now after <laughs> casey's gone but i i completely agree there's something there and there's something to be said for the experience that being a quarterback gives you in, in right. that environment i mean you're to the point about kids don't want to sit They've they've been the stud of their high school or peewee team mm-hmm. since they were in sixth grade, and they think, you know, I'm I just got recruited. I'm gonna usurp the starter. I'm gonna do this. Sometimes that doesn't work out, and sometimes that's not a bad thing. I mean, having well, to sit and learn and and soak it all take, in. That's some benefit for him. I mean, I mean, yeah, stick and stay and make it pay, right? I mean, well, he was there and then he left and then he right. came back and and then. Yeah, next thing you know, you got a 26-year-old quarterback who's throwing dimes on 19-year-olds in, in right. playoff games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, there was something else I was going to say. I know. You, I I, I had, I, you had it on the tip of your tongue. It was right there, and I lost it. All right. Um, did we cover that thing pretty well? I think so. Um, well, I mean, because here's another thing. I mean, the transfer portal is so freaking complicated as to try and make heads or tail of it, of, of, of unintended consequences from it. There's so many different, because again, we talk about portal, talk about Nebraska and how we look at it from a Nebraska perspective, because we're in Nebraska, we cover Nebraska, but there's so many different ways of going at it. Like for example, Georgia recruits, they're going to get the best recruits, like period. They're going to be the home of the five stars, them in Alabama. They have been one of the top two, three recruiting classes for years. It's not like they're going to stop. I mean, Nebraska just got three Georgia transfers. Right. And they're going to, and they're going to replace those guys with next man up. And, and because, like, because wh- they got the machine rolling down there. And what did MJ Sherman say when asked about why do you come here? He said opportunity. Cause mm-hmm. what, what happens if he has a bad day? Mm-hmm. He didn't have time to have a bad day over there. Eric Gilbert was a freak, like a genetic freak coming out of high school from, from uh, Marietta. So, uh, uh, trying to pull that off the top of my head. I can't remember how to pronounce that. Um, from Georgia. Goes right. to LSU. Pops out. Immense athlete. And then he has to, and then he transfers and goes to Georgia. And then he doesn't really see the field that much at Georgia, despite being one of the best graded tight end recruits in the country. Because he needed a support system. He didn't need to go to the machine that chews right. up stars and is going to, you know, you're going to be a great athlete. If you shine at Georgia, you're one of the best in the country. But he needed a, a support system. 
And that's something that Matt Rule and his staff offer now. You know what I mean? Right. There's just different ways of going about it. Georgia's just going to chew people through. If you shine, great. If you don't, they're going to keep getting five stars in, and you've got to compete for everything. Right. Which, not to say that it's good or bad. It's just how it is. Versus Colorado trying to basically flip an entire team <laughs> in a portal. There's, I mean, oh my God, they had people transfer in from in December through the portal that are transferring out now in the spring window. That that's the most alarming part to me. But it's just a different way of saying you different people in different programs approach the approach the portal in different ways. Well, Colorado's not doing it a different way. They're doing it in a or they're trying to do it in a way that's never been done. Exactly. And it's not it's not just a different way. It's like a holy crap really kind of way. Well, it's it's the kind of way that's going to say, "Boy, that Amazon series is really going to be must-watch TV, isn't it? Come watch Coach Prime or whatever the heck it's called." I don't I, I don't know how deep we want to get into it this story that everybody is talking, you know, the Colorado story that everybody's talking yeah, about, I but man, I just don't see I don't see it. I don't see, um, you know, I was, I was texting with Rob the other night and, and, and I just was saying, I don't, I don't see how you create a team with a meme and, or with a we mentality with a coach that had, with a leader that has a me mentality. Yeah. And, right? I, 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 and that's going to yeah. be pro that I, I just still think it's going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, I've, I don't It's going to be great. Amazon Prime TV yeah, must watch. it's going to be must watch TV, but, but I, I, I don't tend know to that agree it's going to, I don't know that it's going to come out on the field. I, cause the issue is where's that cohesion at? And plus if you're a, a player, of course they're trying to just full scale, like flip a roster. They've only got some like less than 20 scholarship players that stayed on from last season to now. What happens if you're like one of the guys that they, because, and credit, um, David Ubbin, I think, wrote the story about it that basically said, if you weren't one of Dion's guys in there, he didn't talk to you. Right. Even if you tried to say hi to him, he just wouldn't have the time for you. And one of those young men, it was a legacy. Like his dad played at Colorado. He was there on scholarship, but he had played like two years at Colorado. And he is basically given the boot and said, you're going to transfer. Those are the kinds of people, again, to go back, not to say it's Nebraska versus Colorado where there's only two ways of doing it, but that's a prime example of, A, why do you treat somebody like that? That doesn't sit well with me personally. Well, yeah, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And two, that's the kind of person that you want to build a program with. Someone where the University of Colorado and not right. Coach Prime with the Buffalo logo on it, that says more to him because he's going to fight for the University for Colorado. And directly goes back to what we were talking to Rob about, yeah. right? The the local buy-in, the, that you have to have a certain amount of, and what percentage did he put? He put it at like 40% or something, like maybe higher. Yeah. Of, Sorry, Rob, I can't remember right now. Yeah, that was right. a long time ago. <laughs> um, you know, that you needed to have those local kids who were – who weren't just playing at Nebraska or at Colorado, but for Nebraska. Right. And that's, and that is exactly the mentality that I, that I just don't see, you know, the, the head coach of Colorado being able to pull together. Like you're going to, you're seriously going to flip the entire roster and you're going to have kids that want, what are they playing for? They're going to come in from all over the country 
what are they playing for? And, now, and what, what happens when they don't like it? What happens when you win three games? Your or first not year? just that, like, like even even if you you put all of the the mental parts of building a culture and building a team aside, put all of that all of that aside, just from a logistics standpoint, how do you get them in? How do you get them used to your routine, which is a brand new routine for everybody anyways, just getting them used to like, okay, this is what time we practice. This is how we practice. This is right. And, and get those things done much less. I mean, that entire team is not going to get to offense, defense install until fall, fall camp opens. Yeah. How are you going to do that and be ready to play their first game against a really good football team? Yeah. I mean, TCU might take a job. I can't remember who I was talking with about it, but like, if you look at the stars, they are, they're getting, you know, former four-star recruits, whatever that entered the portal, whatever, you know, good for them. I hope things work out for them, but they're getting them all over at the skill position levels. And when you talk about like basic skill positions, you mean the offensive? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. We share that. We share the same (laughs) feeling about the the term skill position, but it's, it's just easier to label it that way. Hate it, hate it, hate it. (laughs) But in terms of like, scholarship numbers and we talk like we mentioned basically a skeleton crew from what it was last year you don't want to know how many of those people are linemen like three i looking at it legitimately they have 10 scholarship linemen what's going to happen when you play tcu with 10 scholarship linemen to open up and two of them get get dinged up at least like a twisted ankle or something what happens when marcus satterfield we're going to run the ball use the fullback happens what's going to happen when tony white's defense blitzes every single time against your your, your offensive half, linemen that have, are ju- have had just a few weeks to get to know each other and oh we just started installing offense two weeks ago I, making calls knowing where the other i mean um oh you didn't you didn't make it to the 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 pipeline thing a while back, did you? No, I did not. That would, oh, that was, you really would have enjoyed it because I was listening to them talk. But I mean, one of the things that made them what they were was not just physical talent, but that they had been together working as a unit from their freshman year. Yeah. And every way along the step along the way, they more or less did it together. Right. So they knew exactly what the guy next to them was going to do without saying anything. I mean, they were talking about, they even went so far as to make fake calls because they knew the guy next to him would know that that was bull and right. Yeah. And that they were, they would make fake calls to throw off the defense because they knew each other so well yeah. that it didn't need to be said. It didn't need to be said because they know what the other one's doing. They know what the other side of the line is doing. Right. And how, you know, that's why I say just from a logistics standpoint out of Colorado, how the, how the hell are they going to get that, get any kind of install? And I think they're going to get, I think they're going to, I think they're going to get killed the first half of the season. I things they're going to add a couple more now. And then probably maybe if, but if you're depending on walk-ons and things, you're obviously not in good shape. But even if they, even if they fill the amount of scholarships they have and bring people in, Still, you have to install an entire offense and an entire defense 
with nobody that has experience with it. Yeah, Utah will run for 550 yards and your entire offensive line and defensive line for that matter are going to absolutely not know what to do with themselves because that will be one of the ugliest games. They will Utah will be able to name their score in that one. Well, it'll just be dictated by how much time they have they bleed off yeah. the clock, right? It, I mean, be, games are going to be a little shorter this year with the new with the new rules. For sure. But but, but going yes. I want to follow that. I just wanted to, to add in going back to trust because this is something that we talked about. We're like trust with teammates and trust with like that, that Tom Osborne clip that you mm-hmm. showed me before of like, there's something to be said about that. The drive and accountability for not, a, not again, going back to, to coach Garrett and what he had mentioned to us weeks ago, of like the extenuating forces and circumstances. Like you want your motivation to be internal, not right. external forces and that trust of, of working with teammates. It's a fascinating thing to see that mentality and to see successful coaches such as Dr. Tom Osborne explain the, the force in the mentality and the drive and motivation behind being an incredibly physical and imposing team Whereas also not being like the the underdog complex or, or the, the, the the angry hateful the bad boy Pistons complex that people want to right put on. or I mean you know since we were talking about Colorado I mean that was how um, was it McCartney or McCarthy God I get it mixed up McCart McCarthy it was McCartney right Yeah yeah I mean that's how he when he was building Colorado you know every year they circled Nebraska on the calendar yeah. and they hated Nebraska. Still do. And they, well, I know And the thing that drove them <laughs> nuts was they hated Nebraska and Nebraska didn't hate them equally back Yeah, because they never took them they, in, until they really got there. Yeah. Nebraska never took them seriously. So Colorado has always had that inferiority complex and, and all well, this does me dovetails me into something else that I want to talk about. I and I always I think Iowa was the same way, right? For years, and they, they would play Iowa every once in a while. But for years, Nebraska was up here, and Iowa was right here, where they always are, middle of the pack. Every once in a while, they hit lightning in a bottle, and you know would get to the big, the, the, the Ricky big, Stanzi the, era, right, the Marvin tent, right time, yeah. But so Iowa always they had that inferior. Iowa and Iowa fans always had a little bit of that inferior complex when it came to Nebraska and they hated us and Nebraska. And we just kind of looked at them like, Oh, that's cute guys. You just keep trying really hard. Right. Yeah. Because you know, for most up until the last like 10 years, Nebraska had scoreboard on Iowa continually, continually and And, the the, the trophies. and, And ironically, you know, when, in the big 10 and when they shuffled around divisions and stuff, you know, everybody wanted, even the entire big 10 wanted Nebraska, Iowa to be a rivalry game. And it never really took hold until Nebraska got bad and worse than, worse than Iowa. Yeah. Then all of a sudden now you see that rivalry has taken root and even Nebraska fans are returning, like, you know, you hear how much they haven't shut up about the game this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, just be, you hear people all the time. Like, you know, um, some of the guys on other podcasts talk about, I, you know, I don't care what the record is next year, just beat Iowa. 
And that's like, okay, it's a rivalry now. But the funny part is, what I'm getting to is that it took Nebraska being bad for it to become a rivalry. Not for, it wasn't a case of that Iowa had to get good and come up to where Nebraska was. Nebraska had to come down to where Iowa was for it to become a rivalry. And it's such a, well, and here's the thing, it's such an insteeped rivalry now to the point where Husker fans would try to take shots at like Caitlin Clark. Right. Because like, heaven forbid, Iowa have a trans, like a generational athlete in any sport whatsoever. You know, like. Well, they've had a few generational, you know, people in in football and other sports, but the problem is they just don't have any trophies to go with it right right well and like they've <laughs> they've um, amazing wrestling program to be fair well just, that's true the wrestling just, program has a lot of trophies just a spectacular wrestling pro- but again like when they have a like namesmith player of the year caliber women's basketball player who statistically speaking iowa on the road drew more Right. Of fans in attendance than any other like traveling Big Ten team on average. Because the knowledgeable basketball basketball fan knew what they were going to see. And Kaylin Clark was exceptional and is, is still exceptional. She will be again. But like when they came to Pinnacle Bank Arena, Husker fans, first of all, you got to like taking in Kaylin Clark in, in person is special. Right. Rooting against her and Iowa at the same time. I mean, well, it, you were talking about it. It's that it's that Michael Jordan effect, right? Yeah. When he when he was on the road, they packed arenas because you you now get to say, "I watched MJ play. I watched the goat play. Goat. I don't even want to hear any of that other crap. Goat, 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 goat. It's not even close." And that's for my son, by the way, Mitch. <laughs> LeBron is not the goat. <laughs> Anyways. Back to what we were talking about. Pete Maravich. No. Um, (laughs) Well, it's, but that rivalry, that rivalry mentality, I always enjoy because it, it brings out something in the fans. Like when we travel to games and we see a little something like, I just thought how special would that have been? I mean, it's easy to think now looking back at it, but how special would that Michigan game have been last year? If Nebraska was like, a top rung division, like competing for the divisional title. Right. You'd have strong Husker fans that actually believe that some, you know, they could compete with Michigan who just made the playoff and made it, made the playoff again, right. Cold day starts snowing and it's just kind of drag out football. Like I just thought that is the special. Cause again, full, full transparency here. That's a really awesome stadium. And Ann Arbor is a really cool town. If you have the chance go there because it's, Awesome. It was, yeah, that was one of the ones I know were still on my, so to get to one. If, could you imagine Nebraska being like a conference championship contender playing Michigan, who is also a conference championship contender at the big house? That's a special moment. And then it's kind of frigid. Snow starts coming down in the first quarter. And I just thought, did the only thing it's missing is that one key component. Relevance. Of relevance. Yeah. But for that, that game to like really mean something to both teams. And it, it's it's a difficult wish to have now because the Big Ten's gonna change with UCLA and USC and yeah. all of this stuff. But the the relevance of Nebraska or the presumed resurgence of Nebraska based upon its current trajectory, which obviously the promise of change has everybody drinking the rule aid or whatever you want to call it. But there is 
statistically speaking, there's a lot of people even outside of the state of Nebraska, and I've talked to them that point to it and say, no, this is this is evidence. Like Nebraska's, they might not be national championship caliber in three years or playing for a national right. championship in three years, but they're going to be on their on their path at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like they're going to eventually can, get to that point at a certain point. Can you get that in point. writing? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put like it down really, in writing. I mean, everybody, everybody right now is just like, it. it's a testament to how far Husker Nation has fallen that now we just want relevance. Well, and like Rule has said numerous times, like it's – there's no reason why they can't compete for national championships. There's Having no, been here, they have the resources and they have all the support systems and there's no reason. I just think it's, compete. I mean, it's, it's going to take it a couple of years, obviously to get in the swing, the, to get the engine and the wheels churning to the point where it's not quite self-sustaining, but it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to hop on the interstate when you're, coming in on the on-ramp rather than just putting the car in drive from park and saying, I'm going to hit 75 right, right away. You know what I mean? Well, or, if you're going to do that, your car better be built for it. Yeah. Yeah. Which mine is not, but yeah, my truck is like driving a brick. <laughs> right. Is it rivalry? Cause rivalry mentality drive, which kind of, kind of carried that th- that thread mm-hmm. from Colorado on over, which, I, again, I, I don't even... In the future of the Big Ten, they'll still have Iowa. Presumably, UCLA is going to... Presumably, they're going to pay, play in pods, and UCLA is going to be with Nebraska, potentially with Iowa as well. Initially. I, I, well, they're going to have to keep that, because now, now it's become a thing. Right. Now that Nebraska has fallen far enough, it's become a thing. Well, and but the issue that you're going to have is... I mean, it would almost be like, it's not as storied, but you can't take that rivalry away now. Yeah. It's where they wanted it to be when Nebraska joined the big 10. I just wonder, I mean, the scheduling is going to be so odd in the sense of just new, like the, the odd circumstances of newness, same as joining the big 10. Like you're going to have Nebraska play Rutgers in a conference game. What is this? You know, kind of thing. Um, it, I, it, so it'll take some getting used to, but at the same time, I know Nebraska's played UCLA and had some great games over the years. They played in the Rose Bowl and had some great games over the years yeah. or memorable games over the years. I just don't think that, and they played USC, you know, like I, I personally, it's going to be a, like, take some getting used to, but in terms of rivalry, if you're telling me like Nebraska's going to compete for national championships in a decade or, more more reliably speaking if the if the the level hits nine wins again and eventually competes for a conference championship or a conference a division crown whatever that looks like you know um in a couple of years you're telling me that games against Iowa are still going to be competitive and then you're telling me that Nebraska fans aren't going to get hyped up for Penn State Matt oh, Rule yeah. will get hyped up for Penn State Oh Nebraska U.S. UCLA Nebraska fans Michigan. of at least my age and older will still get hyped up for for Penn State because we still haven't forgotten and about I've, the catch five yards out of bounds. And I can imagine <laughs> that a lot of Husker fans are still going to get hyped up for Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Wisconsin's because when when Nebraska came into the Big Ten, there was that whole which one's going to be the rivalry? Is it going to be the Iowa right across the river? 
or is it going to be Barry, Barry Alvarez, Alvarez yeah. up in Wisconsin, Nebraska 2.0? Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, everything he did up there is Nebraska 2.0. Yeah. yeah right? Really and so, but for some reason, while it's always, it's a big game and there's tremendous respect, it doesn't feel, like when I go, like when we would go up to, to Madison to cover Nebraska up there, it didn't have the same feel. It was like <sighs> playing football against your cousin, right? Where you want to win the game, but you you just can't hate them. Uh, you have different cousins than me. Well, I, I don't hate my cousins. So. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it, the whole thing with Iowa and the proximity and the sniping back and forth and fans intermingling in these – these areas along the river where we, we touch each other all the time and there's a lot of back and forth. I think it's, it's actually taking on a right, taking on a rivalry thing. For sure. Right? But, it's not quite red river river rivalry, but it's, it's pretty, I don't know. Maybe it's pretty close because there's a lot of animosity right now between the two. For sure. For sure. And you, and Iowa City, Madison, both really cool towns. I'd also like to get that on record. I like both of those towns. Um, but I do I like Madison. Madison is really cool. Um, I will say my biggest reservation from Nebraska, Iowa, and the rivalry that it's become and how it's looking is I really regret and really still hold grudges against um, whoever is responsible for naming it. Not that the Heroes Trophy and Heroes Game isn't good. I rep- I love all that that stands for and everything. But I had coined the term of what I thought it should be when they had it, and nobody listened to my suggestion, and nobody took it. What was it? The Barn Burner. The Barn Burner. Isn't that a little too on the, it's a little too on the nose? Hey, look, man. You put it on a tee, I'll knock it out. You might as well, here, just right? between the two states, you might as well just call it the Corn Trophy. Well, I mean, Husker fans could have really got a lot of a lot of got got some juice out of that one too. Right. You know what I mean? But come on, barn burner, big golden corn cob on a trophy would have been nothing. Yeah, yeah, but isn't that kind of what it makes college football unique and great? I mean, people talk about like the portal and free agency and all of this, like, is making it feel like professional sports again. I, I I understand that there are rivalries in the NFL. I get that, but there's something about those rivalries of college football that's it's just, not just different. Right. And this maybe this is something we touch on in the future um, with somebody when, or maybe just sometime you and I talk about it. College football still, even with everything, still has a very distinct vibe to it. Yeah, like you know, I can remember. Um, in a previous life covering the Huskers in the nineties, I can remember driving, you know, driving out to, this is when I drove to everything, but you know, like, like driving out to, um, Oh, they were playing. They were playing in Indiana or something. Champaign Urbana. Yeah. But I was driving out, I was driving out in the middle of, Southern Illinois and Indiana flat. Yeah. Everybody says Nebraska's no, 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 no. Yeah. That is like the telephone pole is the highest thing. In the, I mean, it, it is flat, flat. Yeah. And it's rough. Yeah. But I'm driving through after the game because they had played an afternoon game. So I'm driving through the country, listening to some random college game. I don't even remember what the one I could get on the radio station 
And it just has a, and that kind of, that, it just had a vibe of college football. You roll up into Madison, Wisconsin, you roll, you know, you roll into Chicago, you know, Northwestern, or you roll into, um, you know, any of these, these, even Minneapolis. Right. But you roll and you roll up on that stadium and it has a vibe that a pro team just doesn't have. Yeah. Right. And happy Valley. And it's, and it's everything. It's Michigan. It's the fans. It's the energy. I think it's the band. It's a, I think having the, the, the college bands at a, at a, is Ohio state. Oh my God. But just, just having them there doing their thing gets, gets you that vibe. And, and like you said, like I said, with it, with, even with the transfer portal and it becoming almost a minor league to the pros, college football still has a vibe and a fandom and a following that's, it's not the same with the pros with pro with NFL. No, I mean, well, on the NCAA and college football by nature, the NCAA is face. I don't want to get into all the legal issues, but their main legal issue is antitrust because it commands the market. NCAA, let's all be honest here and say it together, commands the market in terms of feeder to the NFL. Well, the SEC and the Big Ten do. (laughs) Fair. But if you want to play in the NFL, you have to go through college college football and the NCAA to do it, essentially. Nobody is skipping straight from high school to NFL. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, transfer portal, free agency, people not having that allegiance to their school, whatever, you know, right. put on whatever it, things happen. I'm not, if, if a kid wants to be empowered to go make a move, wants to do what's right for him, more power to him. If a coach at the same time, if a player is going to advocate for that, but then a coach is going to say, well, we, we can cut you because if you're not good enough. Then I'm like, I take exception with that, but if the player also wants to have their own agency in this while not directly getting paid, but compensated for their name, image, and likeness, that's right. fine. But to double down on your point, I would rival anybody who wants to make an argument for it to show up for like a Nebraska unity walk and then take in that environment and walk into a stadium 20 minutes before kickoff as the stands are riling or filing in, you've got a, a pizza and a hot dog and you got a kid on one arm and you're walking them in and you see that stadium, you see the warm up, you see the band playing people pledged out in the colors. You've got people like homecoming that come back 25, 30 years yeah. later that come back because it means so much to them to be a part of the program. Even now, like Randy Gregory was a really good example. I like to point to, I mean, that there's a guy who, was a, like a junior college athlete. And right. he really, he, I mean, he obviously did a lot for his career at Nebraska. Nebraska means a lot to him. Just now with the Matt Rule coaching staff, he came back and has like been welcomed back. And now they, you know, they want to make Nebraska a welcoming place for former Huskers that made the NFL. Yeah, there's a novel idea. Right. But even then, like that means something to them. Like right. regardless of portal, whatever you want to be, like if they're good at Nebraska, and they feel that love from the fans in a way that very few other football programs in the country offer. And then they have a successful NFL career because their coaches and fans and everybody cheered for them and supported them in college. And they go there. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is eternal in ways that just can't be replicated by other NFL programs mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. You know, obviously you have some lifers that, you know, 
like Jim McMahon and Mike Ditka being bleeding heart, you know, Chicago bears, things like that. But on a whole scale, that's what college football offers. And I think it's like going back to kind of one thing that Matt says is developing young men and making good men for this world. One thing that we talked to Rob about with developing young men, that's something that this offers and college football offers. It's just immensely different than anything else. Yeah. Well, the the coaches that, my own personal opinion that are doing it the quote unquote right way yeah. are the ones that are build, trying to build better young men. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, I just firmly believe that if you do that, then the football kind of takes care of itself. The football program takes care of itself yeah. with very little guidance. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. When you get, when you get that player buy-in. So, all right, let's transition. Cause I don't want to get out of here without, without hitting on some photo stuff. You had, had, what did you want to ask? Yes. Um, oh, right. Kind of Go in ahead. terms of like a, a framing, not so much in like framing whatever shot, but at what, what do you look for going into a practice or a game? What angle are you looking for? What, in terms of like telling the story of the game or, or just what makes a really good photo, one thing that appeals to you, how are you looking to sit or at what angle and what position do you want to be in in order to make that shot, you know, to use your position as a way to frame the photo that you want to take? Well, there, there's a lot in there to unpack. Um, right. That it, it ties in a lot with something you'll hear me talk about a lot, which is, which is your backgrounds, right? And that's where those angles come into play. Um, sports is inherently an unpredictable and somewhat chaotic thing to take pictures of, but you can help yourself by choosing angles and positioning to hopefully incorporate and or improve backgrounds. Uh, Like when I did that, the, the tennis spread not too long ago, somewhat boring backgrounds. They had some interesting scoreboards between each thing. And I spent a considerable amount of time trying to frame things up just right to try and make an interesting thing that incorporated the the scoreboard. I do that with, with stadiums too. When I go to a new state football stadium, for instance, um, trying to figure out if there were going to be things in the background that were going to be a problem and where I could position myself to minimize that problem. Or if there were elements in the background that were great, where I could position myself to either minimize or take advantage of some of those things. And a lot depends on the sport. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was shooting baseball was, you know, I, I spent the entire game like moving around every two innings or so. Yeah. I did some here and I did some here and I did some here and I did some in the outfield and I'd like make a complete loop around the stadium over the course of nine innings. So it looks like I got a, you know, it looks like, you know, like somebody commented on one of the, one of the one of my posts with the photos was Jesus looks like you're you're everywhere. And that's if you you can do that if you move around. Yeah. Right. And a lot of sports photographers get caught up. Um, they get caught up, and you've heard me talk about this before. They get caught up and get and get worried about missing something. Mm-hmm. And so they're you know they're going to be afraid of missing that 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 double play at second base, the turning two, or 
not having a good angle on the batter or they get so caught up in being afraid of missing something that they, they don't explore the space a little bit and try and find new angles. I do that during basketball season too. You know, about halfway through basketball season, I'm completely bored with sitting in that little square on the floor and only viewing the game from right here. I'll go up and sit in the stands over here. Or I'll go spend 20, you know, 20 minutes up on the upper levels and shooting down or, um, we get the opportunity to go up in the catwalks and, you know, I'll spend an entire half if I get an opportunity like that. But I, you, you just have to move around and not moving, not moving around in like chasing, chasing the last photo you missed. Cause you've heard me talk about that before, but just trying to look at things differently and find different angles to, to shoot things. Um, that's, that's super important for me. But then the, the flip side of that is like at Memorial stadium, I, at Memorial stadium, I don't move around a lot because the angles we have to shoot from on the sidelines are problematic. And sometimes we have a lot of people on the sidelines, yeah. which makes it even more problematic. So I, I usually shoot from the end zones, right? Big lenses, teleconverters, all those things to extend my reach. Um, and so at like in Memorial Stadium, I don't move around. But when you see me, we go to Illinois or you know, just, just about any other Big Ten school. You know, Rutgers was nice. Purdue's got good movement. Rutgers, we, just you basically had a playground there. Well, yeah, because there were, there were like three of us there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, there were like three of us from the Nebraska media and like three or four people from local media. And that was it. We had the sidelines, but there was plenty of room. Yeah. There's yeah, lots yeah. of options and it's not the same at home. So in Lincoln, I don't move a whole lot, but when I go on the road, I move around a lot more because the opportunity is there to do that. Did I even remotely get to answering your question? Or did I just complete? This is the day of rambling. Yeah, this is rambling. We're this. The title for this one is Ramble On. Yeah, ramble. I, that that's got to be the title. All right, all right. Well, because well, that's a Led Zeppelin reference too. My one of my favorite yeah. bands. I mean, they're great, but also they're great, but also like that song is like fifty years old now. That's a great song. It is a great song, but like I equated it to because. Um, for the NFL draft, Motley Crue was there and they played kickstart my heart. Right. And it was like, all right, like Vince Neil, this might he's, be the last time you sing the song he's and, past you, his prime. and you put it down. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the people there enjoy it. But that song is now, it, it would be like if Jefferson airplane performed, uh, somebody to love what, like 20, 20, kickstart my heart. It's like 35 years old. Yeah, it would be like 35, wouldn't it? Because it was mid-80s. It would be like, like 85. If, if Jefferson Airplane played Flower Power Ballads the day that Tom Brady got drafted, that's the kind of time difference we're talking here. Right. It just blew my mind. I'm like... But can, you know what? It's same super thing with popular the, with the kids, though. I mean, I go to... Go, super popular. Uh, go, like... Go to a high school wrestling match when they do their walk-up or a uh, high school base when they're, when they're starting to do walk-up songs now. You'll hear Kickstart My Heart at least once. Well. At least once. I mean, that makes sense 
to a certain point because even now, like you go to even Memorial Stadium and like the when I was a kid and now 10, 12 years later, 15 years later, you're you're hearing the same four ACDC songs all over again. And it's because there is no I'm firmly convinced there is no other format or any other situation to listen to an ACDC song than at a sporting event. You, I don't think or it in exists. My truck. Real, that's surprising to me because I, I think if you Spotify searched ACDC in just a quiet room by yourself, it 404, it just not be found. It has to be found in a groups of large people gathered together for some sort of mammoth movement of people and energy. Pretty sure it's in my iTunes. <laughs> um, I know for a fact it is. All right, I'll concede that point. But not it's willingly. Probably in your iTunes too, I'm gonna bet. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. So did I did I even answer your question? Yeah. That's yeah. where we were going. Yeah, yeah, because that you kind of mentioned the framing like at the tennis match, framing the scoreboards and things. You find have a clean background or something you want in your background. And if you kind of I'm much more I'm I'm I harp on people a lot about about their backgrounds. Yeah. Um because backgrounds are part of it, are an important part of the photo. Um, if you do it correctly, it can add context. It doesn't have to be just something that we've shot in a way that completely blurted out. Sometimes it can be, it can be context. It can, it can actually, that background can be the picture. And I've mentioned it before the, the, from Michigan state this last year, right? They, 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 I happen to be on the side of the field and they kick the ball over and the guy's running down by himself. And I mean, I immediately just decide because the guy's running away from me, so I can't see his face at all. So I just focus to the background. Yeah. And there's there's the way it laid out. There was a whole all the stands right, and people were losing their freaking minds. And sometimes the background is the picture. And 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 that's just. I don't know if it's instinct or experience or a combination of all of it, but. You know, I just made a split second decision and, and switched my focus to the background as he ran on into the into the end zone. And it worked. But but so yeah, sometimes backgrounds are an important part of the picture. And they sometimes they are the picture. So um is there anything else we needed to cover? Nah. Wrap this puppy Should we up. Wrap this pup this ramble this ramble on, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for coming in one more time and putting up with our rambling today. I think we covered way more than we thought we were going to be covering when we came in here today. I'm Eric. This is Brady. This has been the eye test. Don't forget to uh, share it, like it, subscribe to it, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Sports Network Production.